Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Well, today I'm in John chapter 12, and we're going to begin at verse 1. The Bible says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Well, this particular time is one week before uh, Jesus dies on the cross. He's returned back to Bethany, and uh, they're having a supper, uh, possibly in his honor, uh, could be in the honor of Lazarus, who's been raised from the dead. But uh, the picture we have before us is that uh, here is a supper and Martha is serving. Uh, that's Martha's nature. She's going to, you know, her sister was different in, in a lot of ways, but Martha uh, is serving everyone. And uh, and we're going to see Mary come into the picture a little later. But um, so Lazarus uh, is there at the supper. And uh, the Bible says in verse uh, 3, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now, there are several uh, Marys in the Bible. Matter of fact, there's a similar event recorded in the book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 40. But uh, it's speaking of a different occasion, um, and a fact, matter of fact, uh, a different Mary. Uh, here it's uh, Mary of Bethany. Mary um, and Lazarus and Martha were, uh, were all uh, brother and, and sisters. And um, so uh, what takes place in this particular uh, event is that she takes some very, Mary does, some very expensive perfume, and um, and she anoints the feet of Jesus with this perfume. Now, uh, it was very expensive. Um, as a matter of fact, um, it seems to be that uh, it would have been almost a year's wages in those days as far as the cost of the ointment was concerned. And uh, now uh, what she's doing here is that she is uh, anointing the feet of Jesus, uh, and since she is at his feet, it denotes worship and submission to him. So it seems to imply that uh, Mary understood exactly who Jesus was, all right? Uh, Martha may not have understood it, uh, even Lazarus may not have. But uh, see, she, I think, is showing her love and her, um, her humility and her worship here to Jesus uh, because she knows who he is. Um, let's go on with verse 6. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, 
which should betray him. By the way, this is not the same Simon that is in Luke chapter 7, where another Mary anoints Jesus' head with ointment. Uh, this is speaking of a different uh, Simon. But Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why, and here's what Judas says, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Now, Judas estimates the cost of the ointment at 300 pence. Like I said, that would be uh, one pence was a day's wages. That would be almost a year's wages um, for a, a common person. But his complaint is this. Uh, his complaint is that the ointment could have been sold and you could have got some money out of it, which would have been better. That way you could have given the money to the poor rather than waste the ointment on Jesus. That's what the implication is here. But the Bible uh, makes this statement. It says, this he said, not that he cared for the poor. Not that Judas is carried cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Now, uh, that is implying that he was already a thief. He, 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 uh, had been doing some things that was not right. Uh, he was the treasurer of the disciples, and maybe uh, he was taking some money for himself. Uh, but it says he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. So Judas is carried here. Um, is, uh, like I said, he's the treasurer of the group. He has a bag uh, that he carried around evidently uh, when they would get some funds, someone would give them some donations or something, uh, it would go into the bag and then they would all share it. Uh, but uh, he doesn't like the fact that Mary is wasting, that's what he is saying, Mary's wasting the ointment on Jesus when it could have been given to the poor. Verse 7, Then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. Now, um, the ointment was a, an expensive perfume. They would make it into an ointment or sometimes an oil. And it had a, a wonderful smell to it, evidently. And uh, so Jesus, uh, after uh, Judas Iscariot has made his comments, Jesus says, let her alone. Uh, she, she has done this for the day of my burying. Now, what Jesus is saying there is that he's going to die. Uh, you know, the, the disciples uh, still didn't quite believe that would happen. They, like many other Jews, thought he had come to liberate them from the Romans, from Roman rule. And, uh, uh, so Jesus clearly says here, she's doing this for, uh, my bearing, uh, in other words, instead of like today, we would send flowers when somebody dies. Uh, and you've heard the saying that we ought to give her flowers while people are living rather than after they die. Well, this is what Mary's doing. She's given her flowers, uh, so to speak, uh, with, with taking the ointment and anointing his feet before he dies rather than afterwards. And, uh, so, uh, Jesus uh, makes it clear here that Mary has done a good thing. Uh, and then he comments, verse 8, Jesus says, For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Which is saying that 
uh, in essence, uh, I am more important to you than to feed the poor. Now, there's something called the social gospel that many churches believe in and practice, and and uh, they believe that you know we ought to uh, 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 feed the poor and whatever. And I'm not against that. I think that's a noble thing to do. But you know, a person can have a full stomach and still die and go to hell. Uh, I think we can use food as a way to get people's attention and to minister to them in that way. And then when we have ministered to them with physical food, we can give them spiritual food from the Word of God and lead them to Christ. Uh, But Jesus wants us to know here, number one, that the poor, you're always going to have the poor. You know why? Because uh, of sin. Because sin is in the world. There'll always be poor people because poor people many times uh, reproduce themselves and their children and their grandchildren, whatever. And uh, it's not a sin to be poor. I'm not saying that. But I am saying many times people, because of their lack of well, being willing to work, uh, many times uh, that's the case, at least in America, uh, they don't want to work. And of course, the Bible says if you're not willing to work, uh, you shouldn't eat. But um, um, the the poor are poor because of their uh, depraved human nature that we all have, uh, not because of economics. You know, the the liberal, political liberal left believes that, you know, give everybody everything free and that will take care of uh, all the poor in America and around the world and whatever. Well, that's a foolish philosophy. Um, the, uh, the Lord makes it plain here that uh, the poor always you'll have with you. That's talking about as far as the age that we're concerned, concerned with now during this age, you know, they'll always be poor. Now the time will come when Christ returns, sets up his kingdom, when there will not be any poor people. And that'll be because he is ruling and reigning, um, as, uh, the, uh, the leader of the world. So, um, but but he he's rebuking Judas in a sense here uh, because of his hypocritical words about all oh, this money should have been given to feed the poor rather than wasted on Jesus. But um, uh, Jesus makes it plain here: the poor you'll always have, but while you have me, he is saying you better you better. Uh, give your attention to me rather than the poor. Now that's not selfish. That's just that's just a fact. He was God in the flesh. Uh, he is the answer to all of our problems in the world, and we should give our primary attention to Him uh, rather than feeding the poor or doing any other good deeds. You're not saved by doing good deeds. You're saved by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And him alone. Then verse 9 says, Much people, now the people here, speaking of the common people, not the religious leaders, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, no, they came for, for that, they wanted to see Jesus, but that they might see Lazarus also. Well, you know, human nature as it is. Uh, they had a curiosity here. Is this guy really alive? <laughs> you know, did this really happen? And so they're, you know, they're there because of their curiosity. Uh, but the Bible says they're there because of Jesus too. 
And it says uh, that they might see Lazarus also, whom he, Jesus, had raised from the dead. Verse 10, but the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Uh, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. So now then, they have drawn Lazarus into their scheme. Uh, not only do they want to kill Jesus, but because uh, Lazarus is a good testimony for the power of Jesus, they want to get rid of him too. That's what they're what, what the Bible is saying here. And uh, they want to get rid of him because many people have believed on Jesus because they've seen this great miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And it's impressed them. And now then they have believed that he is the Messiah uh, that uh, the prophet spoke of. And so uh, these wicked men, wicked religious leaders, um, now want to kill Lazarus. Uh, now, uh, let's go to verse 12. On the next day, much people, again the common people, that were come to the feast, the Passover, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, this is normally called uh, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem or uh, Palm Sunday. And uh, the people here, uh, it says much people, all the common people were the Jews that came from every direction there to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate the Feast of the Passover. And they heard that Jesus was coming as well. Uh, so since they heard that he was coming, uh, and it was no secret, I'm sure, uh, the people decided that they would um, that they would greet him and give him uh, the glory and credit uh, that he deserved. And so uh, the custom of the day was to, uh, if there was some uh, triumphant, triumphant victor, uh, if they were honoring some soldier, some general, something like that, uh, they would uh, wave palm branches and and uh, put them on the ground and kind of make a you know a place for that that person whom they were honoring to walk. Well, that's what they were doing with Jesus here. Now the word Hosanna here that they cried uh, means uh, save now or save us now. That's what the word means. And uh, at this time, of course, Israel was under the occupying Roman army. And they were really saying these things not because of their spiritual understanding, but because they thought that Jesus of Nazareth was going to liberate them from Roman uh, suppression and our oppression. And uh, so... Uh, we we should not get the idea that they're you know that they're crying out hosanna save us now save our souls now this type of thing they're they're really thinking that uh, he's coming in as a victor soon to establish his kingdom overthrow rome and bring in the age that the prophet spoke of the uh the what i call the kingdom age it's also called the millennium 
so they're not so spiritual in their behavior here as they are political, all right? Verse 14, and Jesus, when he had found a young ass or a donkey, sat thereon, as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh, sitting upon an ass's colt. Now, uh, notice it says here uh, that he finds a donkey. He doesn't find a, a big white horse of some, you know, a royal steed, so to speak, but he finds a donkey. And then uh, the Bible says uh, here that uh, this was a fulfillment of what had been written, behold, the king cometh, setting upon an ass's colt. Now, this was uh, a quotation from Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, one of the many prophecies concerning Jesus that was fulfilled in the lifetime of Jesus. And uh, so by riding in on a donkey, uh, Jesus is saying to the people that he is coming not as a political conqueror, but he is coming as a spiritual conqueror, that if they'll put their faith and trust in him, they can, have, they can be eternally set free from the bondage of sin. Uh, rather than set free from the bondage of Rome, they can be set free from the bondage of Satan and sin. Uh, and so he comes in in a peaceful way, riding a donkey instead of a royal steed, and, of course, in an humble way. Now, one day he will come back uh, when he returns the second time, according to the book of Revelation. And let's just turn there for a moment. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, uh, we see a word picture of when Jesus comes the second time uh, back to earth, uh, that he will be riding a white steed a white horse. Uh, Revelation 19, verse 11. And I, John is, is uh, the apostle John is writing this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and God is giving him visions. And he says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, not a donkey, but a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. Now, we don't have his name yet, uh, but let's read on. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Well, that gives us a good hint, doesn't it? Because the Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, uh, the word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we know this is Christ. This is Jesus of Nazareth coming back. But this time he's not coming uh, as a, the Savior. He's coming as the conqueror. He's coming as the judge of the whole world. Verse 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed him. Who are they? Well, that would be all the saved uh, of uh, all the ages. Um, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth, speaking of Jesus, goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he will in the kingdom age. And he treadeth the winepress in fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. That's speaking of 
the last battle, the battle of Armageddon, when all the nations will uh, be led by the Antichrist and they will try to prevent Jesus from returning back to earth. But they will not be able to because the Bible says he will smite the nations. By the way, all the nations led by Antichrist will be surrounding the nation of Israel trying to destroy it. And what few Jews are left uh, will at that time uh, look upon him whom they have pierced and receive Jesus when he comes the second time, a remnant, a believing remnant will. But the rest will be uh, will be destroyed at the battle of Armageddon. Look at verse 16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So we know who this is. This is Jesus. The first time uh, he entered Jerusalem uh, riding on a donkey, and he came as the lowly Nazarene, Jesus of Nazareth. But the second time he comes, he'll come on a royal steed. He'll burst uh, the sky and come back with all of the saints of God, Old Testament and New Testament saints of God. And uh, then if you want to take the time, you can read from verses 17 to the end of the chapter about uh, the battle of Armageddon and what will take place uh, as he smites the nations And, of course, the doom of the beast and the false prophet are also mentioned in that passage of Scripture, Revelation 19, verses 17 through 21. Now let's go back to uh, Jerusalem as we see what is normally called the triumphal uh, entry. We, uh, We stopped with verse 15 of John chapter 12. Let's go to verse 16. These things understood not his disciples at the first. In other words, his disciples, uh, they did not understand what was going on here, but they would later. But when Jesus was glorified, in other words, when he was in his resurrected body, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. Verse 17. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause, the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. Again, uh, the people referring to the common people, they had heard that Jesus had done this miracle and they had met him. There, uh, they were the ones that were honoring him. Now, the sad fact is, Uh, In a few days, these will be the same people that will be saying, crucify him, crucify him. Shows you the fickleness of human nature. Let's go to verse 19. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, perceive you how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. (laughs) Well, the Pharisees are in a pickle. Uh, they want to kill him, but here are the people honoring him. And uh, so they they had him right where they wanted him, but they couldn't kill him because of the people. And so what do they say? Uh, they say, we can't do anything. You prevail, how, we, how you prevail nothing. Behold, the world has gone after him. What what are the Pharisees saying? 
Uh, well, as they observed all these people with the palm branches and everything, uh, welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem, uh, it looks like, you know, all of the world's gone after him. It's kind of a, uh, a statement of despair. You know, that's, that's what they're saying. The whole world's gone after him. Here we, we came to kill him when he came into Jerusalem, and the, the exact opposite has happened. He's been honored. Well, it won't last long, sad to say. Soon they will crucify Jesus. Verse, uh, verse uh, 20. Uh, and you know, I think I'll stop right there. Uh, we'll just stop at verse 19, and um, I'll take a break, and then we'll come back, and, and we'll uh, see what occurs uh, in the rest of the chapter. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll be with you in the next session uh, as we discuss uh, John chapter 12, verses 20 to the end of the chapter. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at Hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.